about projects or interesting things or conversations or all the stuff that you've bumped into, encountered, done, or like found access to that come off of your podcast journey. So suddenly people ask you questions about podcasting as like an obvious one that people might think of, but what, what things have you encountered or discovered that are like offshoots? A whole bunch of people that I did not know before. I think that's the biggest connection is an is offshoot of a completely different set of, uh, I guess Seth Godwin called it a tribe, but mm. a new set of connections. There's a ton of learning connected to the podcasting journey also. And then there are some spinoff connected projects. So we can look at each one of those however you want, but people comes come to mind first. I just think of some of the podcast episodes that I would have never, ever sus- expected to have been involved in being able to interview a Holocaust survivor or deciding to interview my own parents, mm. which I think a lot of people wish they might have done, not necessarily interview. I really don't ever call them interviews. I call them conversations, but uh, the the people I've gotten to speak with, every, there are so many people who have an interesting story and mm-hmm. somebody says something and you meet somebody else and then you make one posting on LinkedIn or somewhere and somebody else expresses some interest and you follow up with them. I mean, I had an interview with a lady named Debbie Reynolds, which happens to be my wife's name. And I had posted something on LinkedIn and Debbie Reynolds responded. And I thought, I don't think Debbie's even on LinkedIn. Why is she looking at my stuff? It's perfectly fine. She listens to all my podcasts and reads stuff for me and proofreads. So I wrote back, well, I I clicked on it to see what was going on. It turns out it was absolutely not my Debbie Reynolds. It was another Debbie Reynolds. (laughs) And she was a data privacy expert and internet information. Mm. And it just looked extremely interesting. So we started a quick initially humorous exchange online about who I thought she was. And while looking at our profile photos, we clearly knew that we weren't related, (laughs) but she made a joke that we might've been. And one thing led to another, I got to interview her and that's been really interesting. So, I mean, just almost a mistake led to Mm. that. And then the Holocaust survivor, because of the success of my experience in the podcasting fellowship, which is what it was called back in the third cohort. It's now just pod, pod six. Pod that's right. Three. TPF three for the win. Right. Pod six and pod 10, all that, all that now a slightly different name, but because of how well that went in that community, then I decided to use another similar experience in a, of a community mm-hmm. of learners to help me get across the finish line with a book that I was working on. I had started and stopped a couple of times. And in that experience, which was writing in community workshop, which lasted 180 days instead of the 30 in pod, pod six or pod three or whatever, uh, I ended up reading certain people's work. And I read Julie Canepa's work about Vladimir Monk, the Holocaust survivor and his love story wife uh, with his wife, Kitty and how they met during the Holocaust and then got married after the Holocaust. They were both in camps and it just intrigued me. And I contacted Julie. We had a zoom call. We hit it off. I asked her if she would ask Vladimir if he would speak with me. She did. He said, yes. 
and I was able to release it on his 95th birthday. And it was just a real honor to talk to somebody with that kind of experience. And we got to focus on non-tragic, horrific details so much right. as you read lots of things, but just his life outside of, of that. And then there's connections with the book and connections with technology and all kinds of stuff. But I mean, every single guest that I've spoken with has grown out of uh, connections that have happened because of the podcasting. I started with people I knew. So the first two podcasts, uh, guests were people I knew. After that, they were people I had not known mm. before podcasting, except for my parents, which I decided to do later around podcast 14 or 15 episodes. So do the, does the, all of the, um, the serendipitous connections... <laughs> I'm reminded of a joke. Never use a large word when a diminutive one will suffice. Do, do all those serendipitous <laughs> connections, do you think that taking up the podcasting journey like made you develop the new skill? Like like serendipity happens, but there's a there's a skill or a knack to like actually noticing it and like noticing that that it's meaningful and then doing something about that serendipity. Do you think the podcasting journey gave you that skill or improved that skill or, or were you always like that? And now what you're finding is a different kind of connection is coming up. So like, did this, did the ability to act on that, those connections, is that a new thing from podcasting or did you always have that? I think with the people, it's a relatively new or enhanced thing. I'm not one of those people who likes to be invited to a gathering and stand around with people I don't know, holding my cup of water and <laughs> right. saying, what do you do? And answering that question. So that's not something I'll just lean into or think, Hey, that sounds like a great idea. Now, once I get to know somebody, it's different. And mm -hmm. I think uh, that there were so many people you intersected with in the podcasting community. And if you wanted to actually create a podcast, you had to inter really interact with people yeah, and get information in. and learn and ask questions and be kind of vulnerable to this might sound dumb, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because I don't know the answer <laughs> right. and everybody's really gracious and generous. So you, and you started, you saw for right next to you, basically it was virtual, but right next to you saw people reaching out to people and getting them on each other's podcasts. And so you started, I just started doing it to make it happen because when I took the podcasting fellowship, workshop, I thought I was just going to learn how to create a podcast. I didn't really go into it thinking I'm going to create a podcast. Mm -hmm. It didn't hit me till about day seven. It's like, wait a minute, I'm actually supposed to do this. And yeah, so the first question is, what's the title of your show going to be? Like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> this exactly. got real on day one. Right? That's, that's what that was for me. So uh, I think it's been enhanced by that to answer your question. Mm. But then I think I think there is a proclivity with some people to be starter and finisher. And I get a great sense of pleasure, I guess, out of accomplishing or completing something like I've, I've yeah, done pushing this the publish you know, button. Yeah. So uh, before you start walking well or bad talking, I mean, if you think about infancy to adulthood, it's the same thing with everything else. I mean, Seth Godin says, you don't, it's not, the problem is not that you don't have enough good ideas. It's that you don't have enough bad ideas. Right, so, right. <laughs> you know, I've got plenty of bad podcasts and plenty of bad uh, book starters <laughs> begun, but the podcasting really did force me 
to, or pull me, I guess, didn't force me. It pulled me into a completion mode. Even though I've always been that way, it really ramped it up. It accelerated it, I guess. It intensified it a little bit. And that's why the book is done. And just this morning, I sent back the feedback to the guy working on the cover art for the book. Mm. And except for one comma, we're done with the Mm. book design. And I'm waiting on the next version of the small formatting changes I recommended uh, to come back and we should be really done soon. And it's got the same title as the podcast, which was not the title of the book when I started four years ago and then stopped and then started and then stopped. So it's sort of a branding thing. And book two is in my head about what you had to say by talking about it in your podcast. Right. So when you think about the connections and, and like taking advantage of that serendipity, um, what's, what's currently holding you back? Is it like waiting for the next random occurrence to offer you something to, to act on or? No, I don't. There's no need to do that. I mean, if you, there's so much to do and so many people to talk with, I think it's, there's so much to do. Like I want to do so much stuff like book two is in my head partially on paper uh, and i'd like to finish it and i know that i need to get back on the podcasting train because it's been a while since that left the station so today (laughs) is like a little re-entry and thursday i have an interview set up with a young art a young artist and i'm looking forward to releasing that podcast kind of turning it around more quickly so there's nothing holding me back other than multiple irons in the fire. And that's not an excuse. Mm. It's you have seasons of focus. And so you have to give yourself some slack and say, it's okay to do this right now more than I'm doing that. It's not really about balance. It's more just about orchestrating a, a complete full uh, circle of, of, of your day, of your week, or your month, or whatever. I don't mm. micromanage myself into a real, real tight schedule, and I, I read a lot of that, and I wonder if that would help me, but probably <laughs> not because I haven't yet done it. And you can establish new habits, but I, I mean, I keep stacks of physical paper right here on my desk. I have digital reminders, and I use those apps and that sort of thing too. But pretty much just picking off the, the high leverage thing each day or the thing you can you can knock off the list there's no there's no um, minimum number of that's not the right word there are plenty of guests available at the beginning i thought i need to have a bunch of people saying yes i'll be on your podcast because i thought nobody would ever do that so i made the committed the faux pas of asking maybe 40 people, hey, I'd like to have you to be a podcast guest today. They've all said yes. They're still sitting on the pending list, and I've met another 100 people since. So (laughs) I don't need that. I could actually shut everything down and just talk to the people I've spoken to in the last two years and probably podcast for the next three years. Mm. But new, interesting people keep coming up. So I'll be cycling back into those that I've promised and Mm. make sure that I fulfill that commitment. But there's only thing holding me back is just – I need to stop working today and do something else for yeah. home. Certain amount of energy to go around. Um, I always, I always say, like, I only got so much peanut butter, and I can only cover so many pieces of bread. Like, it, otherwise, it's yeah. And if you do too many PB&J. things, if you do too yeah. many things, uh, it's like a mile wide and an inch deep. 
Yeah. You need to go deeper on some things to have more quality, I think. What's the most surprising, like a lot of the things you're describing, I don't want to say obvious because I don't mean it in a derogatory way, but it's pretty obvious. Those connections, it makes sense where they went. You know, I talked to this person, I talked to that person. I'm like, you're making podcasts and you're having conversations in a bigger picture and and refining ideas for your book. I think that's pretty obvious, you know, an offshoot of having thoughtful conversations. It tends to organize your thoughts. But what's the most surprising thing that has, that you can say, well, this is related to podcasting, but you wouldn't have thought I became a... Uh, Dot, dot, dot. I've got to go back to some of these. I got to go back to the same thing. It might be obvious that you, as you've just described, but it is people. I mean, I wouldn't have expected that writing the book would connect me to people that I've met as a result of that. Working with a guy in Pakistan and a guy in Croatia as a result of that. And, that's not obvious to me. I would have thought, hey, I know this person who does this kind of work. I'll talk with him or her and we'll get that done. So a surprise would probably be just the the range of connections that have been made and then also the number of new, this is surprising to me, the number of new pieces of software or hardware that you end up becoming familiar with where you Mm. had literally no clue that they even existed three years ago (laughs) or two years ago, what they meant, what those new abbreviations and acronyms were, or how come you might need to have five different pieces of software that you use to actually pull off a podcast because you're doing recording and you're doing some kind of cover art and then you're using something that you might not have used before on social media to do a post. And then you're using a transcription tool. If your particular package doesn't have all that, and then you're rolling that into a database on maybe Airtable or some other sort of organizing software. And you're helping teach that to a colleague who's now teaching you things that they learned in that software package. Mm -hmm. So it's this amazing ripple of stuff that it's, and it's not chasing shiny objects for the sake of, Ooh, I need to learn that software. That looks really cool. You have to start vetting those things and deciding if they're worthy of your time. Is there any juice for the squeeze? Is this worth the money or is this really great? Even though it's free, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And just think about your work more deliberately and intentionally. I just, I didn't expect 36 months ago that I would be doing any, anything that I'm doing now at work or in this parallel track of work. Mm -hmm. So it's been a complete shift in virtually every aspect of anything non-family related. And even with, with Debbie, with my wife, we have conversations now that, excuse me, that I didn't expect to have. We've always talked, we talk every day. We've been married for 40 years. We've talked every day that we've been married and extensively. We talk about everything. And now things will come up in conversation that sound like she took some of these courses with me. That's not my influence on her, but it's giving us a common language for some of the things we've talked about forever. It's like, Oh, that's just like so-and-so you could be reading something faith-based or you could be reading something completely secular, or you could just be having a conversation as you walk around the neighborhood together. But there you start seeing common strands emerge. And then I understand some things that she's been saying to me for 
20 years, you know, maybe I see it in a different light than the way I saw it before. So that might be a surprising connection too, is how your work ends up rippling into the most meaningful relationships that you have in unexpected ways. As you were talking about the, like the complexity, like podcasting is really complicated and I was reminded of, um, uh, you know, the magicians, Penn and Teller. So I'm pretty sure it's Penn is the big one that talks. Um, Penn said that you will be fooled by a magic trick if the magician is willing to spend more time and or money than you or any sane person ever would. And and what he's getting at is is like you can re- one can really be wowed by how great a podcast sounds and it's amazing to hear this person's holocaust story and you you really one can really be drawn into that and you think this is really incredible like listening to that but people really don't understand like you really still unless you've tried it you really don't understand just how much work really went into all of the pieces around that like my favorite part of podcasting is between record and stop. This is the part right here that I love. I love having conversations with people. Um, but I'm willing to do just about anything that I can think of before I press record and after I press stop to make it all happen. And I think that's a big piece of the magic that you're willing to, you know, like rethink your book structure and like, well, that's only tangentially related to the podcast, but I'm willing to bet that what you did with the book, the changes to the book, that refined your thinking about your podcast and your willingness to interact with people on the book made you willing to be more interactive with people who were podcast guests. And I think that you've highlighted a bunch of pieces of that and just kind of wanted to like shine what I think is a light on. Yes. I think that there's a, there's a feature or a skill or a, I don't know, a quality that you have there, you know, that you're excelling at of just like, yeah, that looks like it's gonna be a lot of work, but I'm going to do that because it lets me make this thing. Yeah, I agree. That's a good summary of what I tried to articulate there. So uh, between, <laughs> the, between the two of us, between the two of us, the listeners will understand what, exactly what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that we're about 20 minutes. I like to keep these short, not because I ever want to stop having cool conversations with people, but because people have a limited attention span for listening to us talk. So I'm just going to say, David, it was a pleasure. I don't think we've ever actually recorded anything before. So I'm super excited and happy to have a chance to actually make a permanent artifact of us having a cool conversation. Thank you. Yeah, agreed. And you're more than welcome. Thanks for the invitation to spend time with you today. Thanks. Bye. See ya.